Hey, everybody. Welcome to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest is Mark Bliss, Senior Vice President of Marketing at DNS Filter. Mark, it's great to have you on the show. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me, Jeremy. You're very welcome. So start with a memorable marketing moment or two from your career. You know, the one that stands out at the top of my head right now, when I first department I ever managed, uh, I threw out this crazy idea that we wanted to do a, a video tour. So everything from you know, the company, the product, how how we manage our customer success. I do this full, full blown tour and I didn't want to use actors. I just wanted to use employees. And, you know, of course that's the, the type of like moonshot idea that you probably shouldn't do with the very first department that you're managing. But I directed and produced it and had a lot of fun and it ended up becoming the highest performing asset of that year. We ended up like making it a part of our homepage linking through into that video tour. So it was awesome. It took a big risk and it paid off. But boy, was that a, a fun learning experience trying to uh, work with the videographers to edit things down. You got like 30 minutes of content from somebody speaking that you bring down into like 60 seconds of usable content. Right. So it was really, really interesting. But yeah, that was that's probably my most memorable moment because I think it taught me to do big things and mm. just learn from it if it doesn't work out. Because I got another mm -hmm. 10 of those that didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, I think that's how, that's how that works, right? Creative people, you got to be willing to take risks. And a lot of things won't work out, but, but sometimes that leads to the next idea, right? Like you just said, you learn from it. It sparks, sparks the next thing. And if you're if you're just afraid of failing, then you you won't do anything cool. Well, nothing good happens in the gap where you're trying to play it safe. Right. You can be reasonable, but too safe is not great. So, all right, cool. Very cool marketing moment. Now, before we leap into our main topic, say a few words about DNS filter. What what do you guys do? Sure. So, shockingly, we filter DNS. <laughs> so, for those who don't. <laughs> Those who don't know, the DNS layer is like the phone book of the internet. Uh, and so what we do is we have this AI-powered threat detection and categorization solution that works off of any device, any network, anywhere in the world. And we help organizations kind of limit not just their risk and exposure to cyber threats, but also help them to configure what types of websites can employees access or not access on corporate issued devices, which is particularly critical in a world where everybody's remote working. And a lot of times they're even remote working in open networks in places like Starbucks. And so that that's where our software comes into play is just making sure that folks are safe. Okay, very good. So now when you and I chatted a week or so ago to prepare for uh, this call, I asked you about your marketing strategy and your content strategy. And you said that you're, you can kind of summarize your approach as starting big to go small. And my next question to you was, what do you mean? <laughs> what does that mean? So I'm going to ask that question again. What does that mean to start big to go small? You know, I think at its simplest level, you only have so much marketing brain power to go around. Some teams are smaller than others, but even the giant organizations with a huge brain trust of content marketers, 
you only have so much marketing brain power. And so when I talk about, you know, big to go small, it's, it's saying that let's focus and prioritize the biggest assets because we can create smaller assets off of those. So one webinar can net like four blogs, a handful of videos, even infographics, depending on the webinar. And so if you focus on all of the blogs and then build your way up to the webinar, that's starting small to go big. I think you lose a lot in translation. I think it, it doesn't lend itself to the same level of creativity. Whereas if you start big and you start on the webinar itself and you make it as fun, as creative, as awesome as possible, now you're walking away with four very cohesive, in, intertwined blogs and content assets like videos that you can cut up and leverage for social and everything points together, which is amazing. Plus, if you knock it out of the park with a really awesome, big creative idea, now that lends itself into other areas of your content plan, as opposed to being siloed or it being an after afterthought, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. So now you, you mentioned webinars as one example. Give us a real life example of like a big idea that you put in motion and then repurposed into all kinds of smaller pieces of content. Uh, we did a virtual conference called DNS like unfiltered, and it's basically five webinars, but when a webinar is not enough, you do a virtual conference. And that's what we did. You know, how do you, know, how do you take it bigger than a webinar? So we did that. Uh, we actually had Sugar Ray as a guest. It was a mm -hmm. very different style than, than what our space would normally have. Every panel had, you know, four different guest speakers on it. And so we were able to cut that up. You know, if you take one webinar net, four blogs and a handful of videos, well, when you do a virtual conference with a handful of what would have been webinar sessions, you know, the math scales the same exact way and everything's interchangeable and everything ties directly into that singular asset. So whether or not you gate your content, that single, single large piece, if they watched one session or they liked a blog from a session, it stands to reason that they'd end up liking the entirety of the conference. And so it enables you to kind of cross pollinate a little bit easier because you took this big item and you broke it into smaller sections, which can be a foot in the door and it really increased that time on site. Okay. Just to clarify for folks, you said Sugar Ray was like a special guest. And just to clarify, you yeah. mean Sugar Ray, the band that had hits in the nineties, not Sugar Ray Leonard, the boxer. <laughs> yes, in, in <laughs> which also would have been really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think with anything in this day and age, B2B doesn't have to be boring. And yeah. if you can give anybody a level of nostalgia, I think that is a nice entry point to saying, yeah, this isn't like everything else that I've attended. And, and so that's the whole thing. If you go big to go small, I want people to look at the content. But if I can have Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray singing a song and that gets me more people in the door, and now all of that content is much more valuable all across the board. It's a win-win situation. We actually did our hype video post-event. Uh, we did like an old VH1 era pop-up video. So we had you know mm -hmm. Sugar Ray playing mm -hmm. the song that they played live. And then we 
interspliced all of the great speakers that we had at the conference and we did a little pop-up video for some interesting things from each one mm -hmm. so again mm -hmm. go big go small into some of these amazing avenues you know now if i can get anybody interested in any one of those speakers and any one of that mm -hmm. you know, any bit of content from it even like a two-minute video clip now i've got that entry point into the rest of the content from it and thus the entry point into dns filter mm -hmm. yeah it makes a lot of sense I, I like what you said about you know b2b being entertaining you know or actually going for that and not being boring right and and so you guys have clearly done some stuff along those lines and i see a lot of talk about that on linkedin and it's it seems like more b2b companies are starting to explore something like tiktok for example it, you know which is pretty much 99.99% purely for entertainment and i think the reason b2b companies are starting to explore it is well you know the vast reach but also can we go on there and do something entertaining you know, I mean, like, what do you think about that? Yeah, so we, we just we just launched a TikTok. It's the people of DNS filter. Everybody should go give it a follow. I think you have to not take yourself too seriously because mm. B2B buyers don't. Now, I am not saying mm -hmm. throw everything out the window and, you know, have no credibility and not be professional right. and all of that. I definitely not saying that. But I, I think that there is this understanding that somehow we somehow came to be that in order to sell to enterprise you need to act like the big brands in your space when in reality enterprise buyers aren't coming to buy from you because you're exactly like the big dog that they would normally just buy from yeah they're not looking for that they, mm -hmm. they don't want the diet version of that they want something new something interesting and it gives you the opportunity as a scale up to do something every time that the market has shifted with any any type of big game changing idea you know hell the, the the first time somebody started marketing on facebook b2b like mm -hmm. it wasn't too long ago and at that time it, it just felt weird you know the first business page on on facebook it, it felt weird for b2b yeah but that's where people are and so you go where people mm -hmm. are and you talk to them and communicate how they want to be, you know, spoken to and communicated with. And I think that opens the door and you can only do that with the bandwidth that you have if you're doing this bigger thing. So if you're starting small and trying to work, work your way up to it, there's just not enough, there's not enough brain power, time and talent in anybody's organization to do that. But if you start bigger and then you just piece part out, you know, that's how you hit your, your blog quota, right? Like there's a lot of companies that have mm -hmm. a quota on how many blogs their team has to create and publish, which I think is ridiculous, by the way. But for all, all of those who still do that, you can hit your, your blog quota by publishing something big and fun and exciting just by breaking it up after the, after the fact. So, Mark, do you think is part of the concern if you... If you don't start big, but rather you, you know, start small, kind of like you're saying, there's only so much brain power. Is part of the concern that, that you'll use up all your brain power and you, you won't have the resources to get to that big idea? Yeah, yeah. I think something has to be the priority, right? I mean, unless you're just going to aimlessly 
<laughs> aimlessly create content, whatever ebb and flow. Heck, it could be driven by external factors. Maybe you've got a, a C-suite pushing ideas down or a sales team pushing things cross-functionally cross and you're reacting to a lot of that. But I think for the most part, everybody's trying to drive a conversation about their brand. They're trying to yeah. bring in attention and they're leveraging content to do that. But you only have so many hours in the day. And no matter how much you supplement with freelancers, no matter how big your internal team is, eventually you hit a cap. And so for me, at least in my experience, it's always been a lot better to devote the majority of the time into the bigger, potentially game-changing element as opposed to the smaller stuff. Gary Vee once said that, that sales is a one creative idea every single day that drives a deal closer to closing. And marketing is one big idea every quarter that could change the company forever. And mm. for me, I want to I wanna take my at-bats on the things that could change the company. And mm -hmm. so if we can prioritize that, if we can prioritize these bigger assets, and I say bigger assets, it doesn't have to be like a virtual conference. It's anything larger that is big enough that you could effectively take apart into smaller assets. So it could be a mm -hmm. webinar. It, I mean, it, it could be a video tour. It could be anything. Podcast, for example, you know, break, mm -hmm. you know, do a larger asset. And then you can break that into the additional things that you need, but it gives you a chance to do something that potentially could change the game. And I'm not saying having, mm -hmm. you know, ha having a 90s heartthrob Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray on your conference is a game changing thing. But I do think if you're trying to, if you're trying to change the discussion in your space, you're trying to do something different, you want your brand to stand out. Uh, there are things you can do with bigger assets that you just can't do if you're prioritizing all of the smaller stuff like blogs. And I also think this isn't a divide and conquer approach. You know, you might see in some departments where they've got, you know, a person who's focused more on on like the lead magnets, the the, the webinars and the, the virtual conference and all of that. And then you've got somebody churning out blog after blog after blog. And that is great for kind of aligning who's doing what and the project management of it all. But the actual decision-making and strategy, that is a group effort. It cannot be top-down and it can't just happen through osmosis. You know, there has to be real decision-making done that everybody's bought into. You know, one of the things, uh, you know, if I'm saying what advice that I would give people who are looking to do this strategy. Uh, the biggest and most important thing I can tell you is to start with something that you and the team have already discussed that you've always wanted to do that you're super excited about. You know, for some teams that might be a podcast, other teams it might be, you know, we're, we're going to roll out a TikTok. You know, what can mm -hmm. you do with the TikTok? Well, all of those TikTok posts you can reuse on other social channels. You can create and craft blogs out of some of your TikToks. I mean, like it, the same strategy is there regardless of what it is, but find something that you and the team are super excited about, that you're stoked to do, that everybody's bought in on. You'll be surprised at how much you can accomplish when everybody's excited to build something big. 
and then it's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And as it does that, now the bonus is you've got all of this stuff to be able to pull from in smaller assets that you can chop out of that. Everything's cross-linked. The, the CTA is the same. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing, and you get to knock something huge off of your bucket list. And if it works, maybe you've got this game-changing thing that, that shifts the mm. company forever. And if it doesn't, you learn something really, really valuable, and mm -hmm. now it's time to go do something new. And along the way, you've produced a whole lot of content. Exactly. In theory, in a, it's in a way that nobody in your space is doing. For a, for a mm -hmm. lot of folks, there's not as much innovation out mm. there in their spaces. And so, you know, they might be in a space that has yet to even have a podcast, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, like things like that could yeah. still, like it's still open enough that that stuff, it, it, you could sometimes be the first one across the finish line on something like that. And even if you're not, yeah. maybe you're the first one to do it that way. Whatever that creative yeah. game changing idea that you've come up with. Now it's something new, it's something different in the space, and it's exciting, and it just allows you to experiment in a way that if you were trying to go small to go big and you were trying to just build one piece on top of another, it never lends you the same type of creative big swings that you can take if you're starting big. And, you know, that makes me think, too, that when you tackle something big like that and you really kind of go deep on it, which I think you have to do, you know, really dig down. Then, like you said, even if at the end of the day, the big, big thing doesn't totally come to fruition, chances are not only are you going to have produced a lot of content from it, but because you went deep into it, the content you're going to produce is going to be different than all the other stuff out there because you've gone past the surface. You know what I mean? Does that, do you agree? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think whatever it is that you've produced out of that energetic, big idea, that brainstorm that just energizes everybody, whatever that is, is going to be different. And all of the content yeah. from that family tree is going to be a little bit different. And I also think there's something to be said about the energy, right? So you're creating mm. this different content, but you're doing it from a place that the entire team is excited about. And you're doing something different and you're yeah. pushing the boundaries. And even if that doesn't work, the fact that everybody got to try it, the energy that that brings to your department, it's unmatched. You know, you can't, mm. you can't get that from you know, any other type of work. I mean, that that's that type of just fun and excitement. It's the thing that, that makes you excited to do your job again. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. out of the monotony of crap that people are probably working on day in and day out, if you get to do something mm -hmm. fun, something big, something exciting, something that was partially your idea, it's, yeah. a, it's such a game changer for just energy levels of the department. Right. So really great for morale for people. And as I, I think you're saying, and I, I think about this a lot too, if you're having fun and excited as you're doing the work and producing stuff, that can't help but infect the work in a good way and come across to people that it gives it, it, it maybe can be hard to measure exactly what that is. It's sort of in like an ineffable quality a little bit, but I think that that's true that the, the excitement that you're experiencing as you create something will end up making that thing better because somehow the people who engage with that 
cons- consensus. You know, again, I I don't really have any evidence to back that up, but I but I I feel that that's true. Maybe I just want it to be true. I'm not sure. What do you think? You know, I I think I think morale is easy to measure. You know, it's employee NPS scores, where things change based on department levels, based on quarters, and what are the main things you're working on in a quarter. You could absolutely measure that, and you can measure the output of this. You know, how well did it do? What type of pipeline and revenue was created off of it? How much attention did it get? You know, we talked share of voice, like everything is measurable. And when you look at the excitement level, you know, there is a, there is an element to that, that, that you can never put a number on, but that's actually my favorite element of it (laughs) because not everything should have a KPI attached to it. It just like, it's the difference between I'm logging onto this meeting or I'm stoked because we're working on this and you can just feel mm. the difference in vibe and energy when you're working on a project that everybody is excited about versus, you know, yeah. the same old, same old, you know, oh, I've got another blog to turn out on some topic that only four yeah. people are going to care about. You know, it's a very different, it's a very different vibe, you know, especially if you're doing mm. a lot of content, trying to hack, you know, SEO. You know, like you want right. to hack the Google algorithm. Long term, not a great strategy. You're just going to keep ebbing and flowing. Google's going to wake up one day, make a change just because they want to. And all that work mm-hmm. that you put in crafting all those little tiny blogs, going to go completely out the window. You know, write stuff your audience actually wants to read, wants to watch, wants to interact with. And if you do that and you do it well and it's a big enough piece of content, now you've got. 10 other pieces of content that are from that family mm. tree that are just as engaging, just as fun and can attack from you know, different different channels and mediums. 100%. Mark, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. This was fun. That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.